because all the stuff I've heard about heart attacks is this, this pain and this pressure, and, and I'm like, I'm not having that. I just, I just can't move. And um, for uh, so, so eventually, um, uh, I think my mum came and found me, and said, uh, you know, you don't look very well. I'm like, I don't feel very well. I can't move. And so they called the ambulance and, and took me to hospital, into the North Shore Hospital. And um, they told me initially when I went in there that I, I was just having, uh, uh, I had migrainous, uh, migrainous syndrome. Um, or some, that's probably not the right word. I think there's probably some doctors here, so excuse me, pardon. Um, <laughs> I'm making this stuff up. Uh, but, but, the, but they just kind of said, I think you've got a really bad migraine. I'm like, I don't think I've got a really bad migraine. I can't move. Um, and... Um, and uh, eventually they found, they, they, were, they kept saying, it looks like you've had a stroke, but, you, but you're way too young, way too fit, you know, for that to happen. And eventually they kind of figured out that that's exactly what had taken place. And so, I, and, I, and I kind of had the double whammy, because initially I just thought that the whole right side of my body couldn't move. And, um, you know, when the ambulance guys came, they're kind of like, you know, I think they looked at me and kind of, come on, buddy, we're not carrying you down the stairs, get out of that bed. And um, so they asked me to, 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 to sit up, and I'm like, leaned up and fell over. Um, and they, so they got me to the hospital, and then they started prodding me with um, with a needle and said, is, is that sharp or soft? And I'm like, ah, that's soft, that's soft, that's soft. And so what I realized was that, that this whole the whole right side of my body was, uh, I'd lost the ability to move it, and the whole left side of my body, I'd lost um, pain and temperature sensation. So so I kind of had the, the double whammy. So um, so what I had to do um, in, in the course of uh, in the course of two weeks in hospital, I, had, I basically had to learn to walk again. It was a very it was the weirdest experience. It was like it was like someone had wiped if, if I was a computer, someone had wiped my disc clean, and I couldn't I, I couldn't remember anything. And so the, the nurses would sort of say, or the physios would say, just you know, move your uh, move your move your foot. I'm like I'm like, lady, I'm trying. I'm trying with everything that's in me to move my foot, but nothing's working. Uh, and then, and then they'd, they would move, they'd move a toe, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I can, I can repeat that. So it's like every move had to get logged back in again. And so as you can see, I, I have learned to walk. Um, I still don't have pain and temperature sensation on this side of my body, which is an incredible thing, because, because unlike many of you, I get to iron my shirts while I'm wearing them. <laughs> I'm making that bit up as well. <laughs> But it was a real, it was a fascinating thing learning how to walk again. I'm, I'm not sure if um, I think I think I've got an actual photo of me learning to walk. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but it was the strangest thing. So so for me, you know, I mean, all of us all of us know how to walk. I, you know, I watched you come in here this morning, and you were very graceful the way you came in. But when you have to learn to walk, as a you know, we, we've got three, um, got two grandchildren, and and another one about to arrive in the next week. And, uh, you know, watching children learn to walk is a terrifying thing, isn't it? It's like they bounce off every piece of hard furniture you've got in your house. Like, oh, oh, and, You know, as they're, as they're lurching around the place, it's incredible that any of us survived, quite frankly. Um, and um, so we find ourselves, you know, learning, learning to walk, but fortunately we don't remember the process because, thankfully, we don't remember much from that stage of our life. But as a 40-year-old, I, I very distinctly learned what it meant, meant to walk. You know, and to walk, you have to deliberately throw yourself off balance, you know, so... So you're kind of standing there and you go, I need to get somewhere. The only way to get somewhere is you've got to throw yourself off balance and deftly put that foot out before you fall on your face. It's an amazing thing. It's like, it's like this process of just, you know, lurch, step, lurch, 
step. Well, I, that's how I learned to, to walk as a 40-year-old. Um, I, I actually still feel really gumby when I, when I walk. I, you know, my, my, left, my left step is really easy, and my right step is kind of like, it still feels a little bit gumbyish. And when I run, it's like, I hope no one's watching, because <laughs> I, I feel a bit silly doing this thing. Now, why am I telling you this? Because the Christian life is very much like this thing. It's like walking as being something that's, that I think we could probably call it just controlled lurching. That, that you've got to throw yourself off balance and then take a step before you fall over and then you, and then you lurch out the other way and, and you put your foot out before you fall over. It's, it's, this, it's this process and over time we make it a very graceful thing. But in reality, all progress is just this thing of controlled lurching. And, and you know, the more we, we master the rhythm of the lurch, the, the more graceful we look. It's, it's, you know, and, and one of the things about this, this Christian life that we live is, is that we're being, we're being kind of bombarded with messages that are kind of like left-step, right-step messages. You know, if, if you listen to podcasts, if you read books, if you listen to, um, uh, you know, I don't know, there's, there's just so many things that are bombarding us with so many different messages that, that are kind of saying, this is what it means to be a Christian. You know, you know, it's almost like we kind of live with this, with this deep sense of, you know, what, what's, what am I meant to give myself to? You know, that, that, that I've, I've got to be an activist, and, and yet it's really important for me to be contemplative. You know, I've got to be deep, steeped in, in deep theology, and then go out into the streets and, and look for Holy Spirit moments. You know, I, I've, got to, I've got to give myself wholeheartedly to winning the lost, and at the same time, I've got to give myself wholeheartedly to social justice. Um, I, I've, I need to, um, you know, I need to be an excellent Christian at work, and I, need to, and I need to be an excellent Christian at home. I need to give all my spare time to church, and I need to, you know, and I need to at some point in my life grow up and become a decent human being. Yeah, there's a lot of voices that are pulling us. They're, they're pulling us in so many different directions. Every time you listen to one, every message is really compelling. It's like, oh man, you know, I want to be that kind of person. Oh man, I want to be that kind of person. You know, I, I need to be 100% a family man. I need to be 100% a ministry man. I need to be 100 you know, it's just, there's so many competing messages for us. And, you know, and one of the, you know, sometimes people kind of say, well, the answer is you've got to get this great work-life balance thing. And, and, and you know, I, I, for me, this whole thing of balance is an absolute myth. You know, this, do you know what happens when you're, when you're perfectly balanced? I'm, I'm going to model it right now. I, right now, am perfectly balanced. And going absolutely nowhere. <laughs> so balance. Ba- we, don't, we, don't, we don't need balance. We need rhythm. You know, and, and so this, this, thing of, this thing of the Christian life is this, is this right step, lurching, stepping, lurching, stepping. Everything's about these two things. You know, we, we're never going to get balance because balance will make us stop. What we're about is rhythm. It's about this thing of making progress, moving forward, stepping forward in God. Now, uh, again, you know that, that can sort of seem that can seem a bit like oh man, that just sounds like craziness. But in reality, we're, we're forever taking almost two opposing steps. You know, one of the things about good uh, good theology is this: that good theology can hold two opposing ideas in tension. You know, that God is a God of love and that God is a God of wrath. Uh, that, that we have a theology for healing and we have a theology for dying well. Uh, you know, we have a, we have we have so many so many opposing things. You know, the kingdom is here. The kingdom is yet to come, and we live with these tensions. And that right step, left step, we live in the reality of those. And the tension is the, the temptation is always to break that tension and kind of go, you know, it's too hard to live with that tension. I'm just going to be one or the other. 
But, but the maturity that we, that we develop as followers of Jesus is we actually live with that tension and we step one way and then we step the next. So, and, and so when we think about this thing of, you know, what does it mean for me to, to learn to walk as a Christian? It, it's this thing of, you know, one of these steps is this thing of, of building a life. Uh, in First Thessalonians chapter, um, chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, um, now about your love for one another, we don't need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all the brothers and sisters throughout Macedonia. And yet we urge you, dear friends, to do more and more and to make it your ambition to live a quiet life. And you should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. You know, and, and so you know, this, what we find is we find there's a number of scriptures who are, that are calling us to this thing of make it your ambition to live a quiet life, to, to work with your hands and mind your own business. You know, there's, there's some things in the Bible that, are, that you kind of go, I could do that. <laughs> this, is, this is one of those commands that's like, I, I'm in. You know? <laughs> I'd like to live a quiet life, live at Wainui Beach, you know? <laughs> work with my hands, you know? mind my own business. I, I would really... It's really interesting that, that that's one of the steps, that's one of these lurches that we, that we kind of have to lean into. It's this thing of, we've, we've got to build a life. We have to have a life that's worth living. Uh, again, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peacefully. Uh, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good, and it pleases God, our Savior. You know, the, I mean, there's so many messages that are telling us we have to go out and do these incredible things. You know, we've got to, we've got to change the world. You know, I, I think so much, so many of us in the Western world are just, are just almost oppressed by this thing that we've got to go out and change the world. You know, we're, we're so much in the Scripture just says, you know, nah, make it your ambition to live a quiet life, to work with your hands, mind your own business. You know, and, and, and again, it's, it's fascinating that, that you know, when, when you look at the whole spread of the, of the scriptures, you know, the, the overarching story of the Old Testament is this, that God chooses the people to bless them lavishly. You know, he, he decides he's going he's gonna to bless this nation of Israel, this nomadic uh, uh, people, and he's going to bless them so much that people around them are going to go, we want what you've got. We want in. We want into this covenant with this God. You know, our, our many gods are not going to help us. We want the one true God. We want Jehovah. Uh, his intention was to, to make the nations around them jealous because of that. Uh, but, uh, you know, and again, we know, this, we know the Old Testament. That their life is already written for us. You know, that, 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 they, that they were blessed so richly by God, but what they did is they built walls and fences to keep people out. They spent all that blessing on, on how, to, how to keep the outsiders out so that we can keep everything for ourselves. Uh, but it's, and it's interesting that in the New Testament, it's, it's, it's the same story, that, that God, God will now bless anyone who chooses to follow Jesus. He'll bless our lives. He'll, he'll lavish our lives with his presence. He'll lavish our lives with the things that we need. You know, again, in order to, to, to make those around us somewhat envious of the peace that we have, that we're a non-anxious presence in an anxiety-filled world. You know, that, that, we, that we have this ability just to, to not be buffeted by all the things around us where everyone else is wringing their hands. You know, for some strange reason, in the middle of a storm, we're, we're still going, you know what, it's, life is good. I know, who's, I know who I belong to. I know who's with me. I know, I know where I'm going. You know, despite what may be, may be happening. 
And so, and so part of this thing is that, you know, that, that God calls us to live a life full of you know, the, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. He says, yeah, let, let your life be full of that so that it would be so attractive that people would look at that and go, how the heck can you have that peace? How can, how can you have the joy when all that stuff is going down in your life? How can, how can you have that, that degree of centeredness when everyone else is kind of, you know, rushing around like mad things trying to get stuff. And his invitation to us, you know, it's, again, it's interesting when you think about the, the, the whole span of the, of the Bible. You know, it starts in a beautiful garden and it ends in a beautiful city. And God's intention for us is, is that we would have this rich life, that we would have a life worth imitating, that we'd have a life where people kind of go, I, I want what she's got. You know, in, uh, in, in uh, First Peter chapter 3, uh, verses 15 through 16, it, it, it talks about this thing. of, But in your hearts, revere Jesus Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And do it with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. You know, a, a lot of us, I think, and you know, wherever I wherever I meet up, you know, for Vicky and I, we have a great privilege. We have we have a church that uh, is a night church, which allows us to be in lots of different places around the country. And um, and again, with our with our role within our within our movement, we, we get to be in a lot of different places and, and see what God's up to, and, and meet beautiful Christian people all over this nation and, and some other nations that we're involved in. And one of the things I often find is, is, that, is that a lot of Christians live with this, this, this kind of disquiet inside of them, that my life is not really, you know, it's not really measuring up. The person beside me is awesome, the person on the other side of me is awesome, but my life's pretty average. You know, and, and I, I just don't feel like I'm, I'm you know, I'm doing really well. And, you know, I mean, it's really, it's really important for us to remember that, you know, when you read, you know, for, for example, you, you look at the book of Acts. You know, the book of Acts is, is the summary of, of 33 years of awesome activity. You know, it, it doesn't give you 33 years of, of averageness. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't tell you, you know, I got up, had breakfast, went to work, had an average day. You know, business wasn't that great. My boss was not good. And, you know, I went home and I didn't pray for anybody. Uh, it, it just gives you the highlights of 33, you know, of, of those of those early years, 30 years of highlights of the early church. You know, no one no one can live a frenetic pace of spirituality and miracles. It's, it's a recipe for burning out or for faking it. And, and, and yet, I think many of us kind of feel that pressure of kind of like, I've got to be awesome. I've got to be like the Book of Acts. I've got to be, you know, we, we hear testimonies, and it's kind of like, I've got to be like that. How the heck do I do that as well as raise a family and, and you know love my spouse and you know be a, be a good employee or a good employer? You know how do I be a good you know a good participant in the community and how do I be a good participant in church? You know how do we do all those things? You know so for many of us we kind of we kind of live with this tension of you know how do we how do we put all those things together? You know and it's and it's fascinating again in, in Matthew eleven. Uh, Verses 28 through 30. And I love what Peterson, Eugene Peterson does in the message translation. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep in company with me. Oh, sorry, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And there's this beautiful invitation that God gives us to say, I, I actually want you to have a beautiful life. I, I really do. There's, there's something in us sometimes that kind of pushes against it and thinks, it can't be about me. 
you know, it can't possibly be that, you know, that I'm, I'm meant to have this, this amazing life, you know, that, that I'm actually meant to enjoy life. But I don't know about you, but, I, you know, the more I read this book, and the older I get, the, the more, the more I, I lean in this direction, the more I realize that God actually just, he actually loves us. <laughs> Crazy, eh? That, 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 he, that he actually wants to bless our lives. That, that he actually wants us, you know, to enjoy. You, know, you live in the most beautiful part of the world, for crying out loud. You should be the happiest people ever. <laughs> you know, and for all of us who live in this motu, you know, I mean, we live in such a beautiful place. You know, we should be the happiest people. And yet, and yet there's an anxiety often that's in Christians' hearts of, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing it properly. You know, I'm, I'm not allowed, almost I'm not allowed to enjoy how good life is. He's blessed us. He's, he's a God of lavish blessing. That, that he, you know, and, and our right step is this. It's like, it, it's to have a life. You know, so often, you know, I know none of you would be like this here, but so often I meet Christians and I'm kind of like, if you want me to be like you, <laughs> I, I don't want in. <laughs> Your life seems angst-filled. Your life seems, you, you know, it's like you're never happy. You're always, you're always kind of reaching for the next thing. It's like, I, don't, I just don't want to live like that. I, I don't want to live with that degree of angst. You know, I, 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 this, this gospel of the, of the kingdom has got to be a gospel of peace. It's got to be a gospel of this. He wants us to have beautiful, rich, fulfilling lives. He, you know, his intention is that, that we would live a quiet life, work with our hands, and mind our own business. And in the midst of that, lives would change. Well, that's one step. That's, that's my first lurch. But I want to tell you, the second, the second step is... Is this is this rhythm that, that he calls us to be involved in? It, uh, Philippians chapter three. Uh, I want to read a wee chunk of scripture to you. Uh, Philippians chapter three, verses seven through fourteen. Uh, he says, uh, "But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ." We're going to we're going to we've we've learnt, we've lurched right. We're going to lurch left, and we're going to learn this rhythm of. of of building a life and then stretching for something. So he says, whatever, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And what's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. And I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And I want to know Christ. And yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it. This is, this is Paul at the late stages of his life. But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind Strain towards what's ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And, and it seems like this, that, that he's inviting us into, it's not a, it's, it's not a bipolar life, it's a, it's a bi-step life. It, it's, we step one and we build a life. We stretch again and we kind of go, what does God want to do? What's he, what, what's he want to do? You know, where are the people that he's inviting me? Who's he connecting me with that I can invite into my life? You know, this, this thing, this life that he gives us, is, it always involves a, a stretch. You know, I, I think probably for many of us, the bigger temptation in our busy, sometimes overstretched lives is not to take this step beyond, I just want to have a good life. Uh, you know, like I say, I think sometimes Christians don't, they've, they've neglected to actually have a, have a beautiful life. 
And it is a good and a beautiful life that he's given us. But there's a second step that says this, and I, I, I reach out. I'm, I'm looking for who, who can I give this to? He's blessed me with this. Who can I invite into this? You know, you have a beautiful church. You know, that, that, you know my, my first time with you, but I, 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 you know, this sounds so cheesy, but I feel the love. You know, I, I feel the expectation. You're a, you're a healthy, growing church. There's something very beautiful that you have here. And, and it's inviting people. It's, it's taking, let's, let's stretch. And let's, it's always uncomfortable to, to bring someone new in. But, but let's stretch. And how can we bring someone new into this? You know, it's, it's fascinating. We kind of go, what's the, you know, how do, how do we do this ministry thing? You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not very good at it. I don't know, what, don't know what the right answers are, the questions that people might ask me. But, you know, one of the, one of the things I, I learned really early on, I, I was, um, uh, for Vicky and I, we, we planted a number of churches over the course of our lives. The, the first church I planted, we planted was in our early 20s. And I, I can remember distinctly this, this moment where I'm kind of like, you know, I've got so much stuff to do as a, as a young pastor, young planter of a church. And just kind of going, I've got so much stuff, and people keep interrupting me. You know, <laughs> I've, got, I've got talks to do, I've got things to plan for crying out loud. You know, and people just keep, in, you know, they keep ringing up and they keep dropping by. And I, and I felt the Lord just whisper to me and says, Ministry is a series of interruptions and conversations. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's the. That's the ministry, not this other stuff. You know, not this, it's, it's the interruptions of the God interruptions. That, that, that this incredible life that he's invited us into is, you know, we, we, we build a beautiful life and then, and then we're open to his interruptions, people coming towards us, kind of saying, you know, maybe we should get involved with this. Maybe we should do this. You know, maybe, maybe we should start a, a growth group. You know, maybe we should... Um, you know, maybe we should do something to kind of reach people that don't yet know Jesus. You know, maybe, maybe we need to use our business for, for this and that. You know, there's this, this, beautiful, this beautiful rhythm of, of right step, build a life. Left step, stretch. Looking for this thing that, that, that we know we haven't yet got to. There's, there's always a stretch. There's something more. And yet, it's, it's, you know, in one sense, it's an easy thing because it's just a, it's a conversation or it's an interruption. Again, uh, in, Romans, in Romans 12, and again, you know, from the message. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you. And quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. And so that, you know, again, you know, for me as a, as a 40-year-old learning to walk again, was this, at times it was a really ungainly kind of walk. It, was a, it, it did feel like semi-controlled lurching. And I and I found this in my entire Christian life has been this kind of sense of, of a slight kind of lurching feeling in my walk with God. There's been moments where I'm just I've forgotten to really build a life, you know. I've forgotten to actually have a life. It's, it's been all about ministry. It's been all about everybody else. And then it's like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm neglecting I'm neglecting my interior life. I'm I'm neglecting my home life, and, you know. And, and I, I've got to say, you know, I've done a lot of lurching in my life, and 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 you know, I think you know now now in my sixties, I, I I think. I think the rhythm's getting a little bit better. I think, I've, I think I'm learning how to walk properly this, you know, this life. But it is this beautiful thing of, of let's, let's build a life and then look for the God interruptions. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think it's even hard to look for ministry opportunities. 
they'll come interrupting you. You know, and it's and it's and it's welcoming them and kind of going, "Is this you, Lord? You know, and how can I bless this person? How can I say yes? To this? How can I pray for this person? How can I get involved in what's happening in their life?" Um, so, so what I want, you know, and I said, I said to Carl when he asked me what I was talking about, I'm like, well, it's going to be really simple. Um, hope you guys don't mind. Fortunately, fortunately, you get great teaching every week, but so it's good to just have a little light diet from time to time. Um, <coughs> but, but I, the invitation that I, I felt the Holy Spirit wanted to give you today was, you know, we tend to major on one one or other of our steps. You know, for some of us, you know, we're we're really big on kind of I I, I just I just want a peaceful life. You know? I, I don't want to be interrupted. You know. Uh, and, and, and probably the Lord's going to nudge you in a few moments about this stretch. You know, what is it that he's asking you to do? Because if it's just all about having a beautiful life, all of a sudden that beautiful life becomes toxic. It doesn't take long for something beautiful to become toxic if, if it doesn't have that second step. And, and, and possibly there's others of us here that, that we're, so, we're so involved in the stretch, we're so looking for, you know, what can I do with God and for God, that we're actually neglecting our life, and we're neglecting the life that he wants to give us. And I, and I, I, I would, we'll be up, we can, we've got a few minutes, don't we? <laughs> this is good. <clears throat> hey, why don't we stand? And what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to ask the Lord to bring his kingdom near. It's going to be our prayer. Let the kingdom of God draw near. Because when the kingdom comes, things change. So we're going to ask him to bring his, his kingdom near to us. And we're going to see what he wants to do. So, so if, if you're comfortable with this, you know, uh, close your eyes and, and, and put your hands out as if to receive something from the Lord. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to bring your kingdom near. Lord, let the kingdom of God come. Let the will of God be done. Lord, as it is on, in heaven, let it be so on earth. And we ask you for every life in this room here. Let the kingdom of God come. And so, Holy Spirit, I, I want to ask you that you would that you just begin to whisper into our hearts the things that you want us to be aware of. Just allow yourself to, to you know, and, and figuratively to lean in and listen to what He's saying. Lean into what He's what He's whispering to you. What's he, what's, he, what's what's His invitation? Is it right step or left step? What's He inviting you into? Is it to build a life, or is it to give the life away? Again, the, the, you know, the sense, the, the kind of the nudge that I have from God is that there's some of you that are just feeling that there's, there's almost an angst in your heart where you're just, you're just feeling so, um, so stretched, so overloaded in, in this part of building your own life, of having a life that's worth, that's worth reproducing, having a life that's worth passing on. <coughs> I think the Lord's here. I think he's. I think he wants to. He's got something for you this morning. So I'm not going to have. I'm not going to have people come to the front for prayer this morning. But what I'd love for you to do is just. I'd love for you just to just to raise your hand if that's you. If you're kind of going like, do you know what? I, I am. I am just way, way, way overstretched in building a life. I've. I have neglected my health. I've neglected my spiritual life. I've neglected my interior life. Who I am on the inside. You know, I've been so stretched. That I've just I've just let that go. It's affected my family. It's affected my marriage. It's affected my health. And maybe all, any of those things. But just just pop your hand up where, where you are. We're, we're going to have people come pray for you. 